Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Thursday Buckeye Talk. It's quarterback's position preview day. Doug Maurice from Cleveland.com. Nathan Baird and Stephen Means will be joining me in a moment. This is all the stuff you guys know. We pre-recorded all this stuff. Nathan is still off uh, basking in the glow of his recent marriage. Stephen is actually heading on vacation uh, next week for a couple weeks. So this is this weird time of the year. It's weird for all of us, right? We're waiting to see what's going to happen with college football. Um, holding pattern still. I don't know what to tell you other than a holding pattern. You know, you can read a lot of national people who are pessimistic about it. I just saw some conversations on Twitter on Thursday, you know, people talking about um, there is pessimism, but the idea is delay. And if you guys, I wrote a quick story about this. Gene Smith was on the radio on Thursday and on Wednesday in Columbus with Bo Bishop and James Laurinaitis. We haven't talked to Gene in about two weeks now, 11 or 13 days, I think, since he had had a conference call with reporters. But the idea is to delay, delay, delay as long as you can. And then someone said, well, what's going to change with the pandemic while you delay? And the pandemic is going to be what determines it, which is what the NCAA has said. They can have all their precautions, but if the pandemic doesn't get better, we're not going to have football. But what can happen is that we can bend the curve. So I don't know. I mean, we got bent once before. So to me, that's why you delay, because you believe that it can change. So, you know, it's just a holding pattern. We're going to keep rolling along here. We are going to have one thing I have to work on the end of this week. Big Ten media days for football would have been Wednesday and Thursday in Chicago. And uh, that means we would have had our Cleveland.com annual preview. This is the 10th year of it. 10 years since the Big Ten stopped doing an official conference preview. And by official, I mean every other conference polls the reporters who send in for credentials at the conference media days. And they say, hey, make your picks. Who's going to win the conference? And the Big Ten stopped doing that because they didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So we do it. I picked up the mantle, and we've done it. I've organized it. I haven't done it yet. So I'm going to do that like in the next couple days. I hope to have that out next week. And what we're going to do is we're going to have the normal thing we have because we have to get it down for history. Whatever happens with college football, we have to be able to say Ohio State was the overwhelming Big Ten favorite because that's us. That's that's how we're the we're the thing that people cite the Cleveland.com poll, because I get it out to a range of Big Ten writers from around the league. I get I get multiple 
writers that cover every team in this league, some national people, some Big Ten people who cover the league as a whole. So anyway, we've got to do that. But I'm also going to do that with the tech subscribers. We're going to have the tech subscribers. I'm going to send out the same thing that I send to Big Ten writers. I'm going to send to the tech subscribers. I'm going to have the tech subscribers say, okay, who do you pick? What's your Big Ten knowledge? So if you want to be part of that, 614-350-3315, now's a good time to join. We've dropped the ball a little bit in the last couple of days. We haven't been texting as much. There's just like it's it's hard to get your hands around what to text about while we're trying to figure out where we are with the season, and there's not a ton going on. So anyway, we're going to ramp it back up. Those of you who are with us on the text, we love you. Thanks for hanging in. Just a weird time again. So next week, Nathan will be back. We'll get back to some more live podcasts, but... Quickly, we're going to touch on the basketball commitment, and then we're going to get to the cornerback preview. Seven Banks, Cam Brown, Sean Wade, all those guys. We have a good 50 minutes talking about that. Ohio State get, did get a big basketball commitment on Wednesday. Malachi Branham from St. Vincent, St. Mary, LeBron James's old high school, he commits to Ohio State. He's the sixth highest rated player in the 2021 class to commit. He's the number 27 overall player according to 247sports.com. He's the number one player in Ohio. He's the number five overall shooting guard, 6'4", 175. He's the sixth highest rated guy who has verbally committed. Only one player in the top 12 has committed so far. So that's a great job by Chris Holtman and Ohio State going in and getting that locked down. Overall, Ohio State right now, because a lot of guys still have not committed, the Buckeyes, according to the 247 Sports Rankings, have the second biggest, the second best class in the country. They have three commits. They're all in the top 100. Only 42 of the top 100 players have committed so far, and three of them have committed to Ohio State. So that's three four-star players. Only Baylor is ranked higher right now. Again, it's early. It's weird. You know, Duke isn't, in, isn't really in there yet. But you have schools like, for the moment, it's Baylor, Ohio State, USC, Louisville, Michigan. All those schools have three commits. So three top 100 kids from Ohio. Ohio State getting it back rolling on the recruiting trail. I'll write more about that down the line because, again, Chris Holtman didn't like the last time I I wrote about recruiting stuff when guys were leaving. So you got to write about the good stuff when guys are coming. So that's a big get. And now we're going to talk about what's next for the corners. Thank you for hanging in. It's been a little weird because we haven't done as many live things this week. It's been some of the stuff we had pre-recorded because, again, it's July. People are in and out. So it feels weird. I feel jacked up because I haven't talked live as much. But so many plans ahead. Whatever happens, so many plans ahead. But right now, as we sit here on July 23rd, um, I'm not, I haven't given up on a college football season. I haven't yet because I still believe Ohio, Ohio is going to a mandatory mask thing. I talked to governor Mike DeWine on Saturday about the, I want a season program where they were trying to use college football and high school sports basically to say, Hey, if you're a sports fan, wear a mask. They're trying to use that, um, to entice people to wear a mask because governor DeWine told me then they didn't want a mandate. He said, you want to rally people to a cause, to a cause, rather than force them to do it. But now here we are. They've now gone to the, the statewide mask mandate starting 6 o'clock Thursday night because they, that's where Ohio is. So Ohio's a little bit on the uptick. So let's crush it in many ways. Let's crush it generally, just like we generally crush it on Buckeye Talk. Let's crush the curve. Let's crush the virus. And I'm not giving up. The the college, as it stands now with the Big Ten, you know, there's nothing on the schedule before September 26th. That weekend, Ohio State-Rutgers would be the first game for Ohio State. We don't know where they're going to be. 
with how the revamp schedule might look in September, but they have time. Nine weeks. At the moment, nine weeks until there's a football game on the schedule for a Big Ten team. So they could take all of September as a break if they need to. Um, They could schedule some September games, move some conference games up, and then back off in the moment if they need to. But of course, they need to have about a a four-week run-up of actual practice. Ohio State, one thing Gene Smith announced, just, you know, to have confirmation from the AD, August 7th is the plan for actual preseason practice to start. The plan is for this Friday for them to start walkthroughs, right? You go from voluntary to now like kind of early stuff, actual some football things, just walkthroughs. But that's the next step. Gene Smith said he feels like they're prepared for that. He's not sure about August 7th, but he said, I think I'll be confident by August 7th that we'll be okay. But he's not confident yet. He's been cautious about this stuff. So even if they had to push back August 7th, right? I mean, August 7th still, if, if you're not playing until September 26th, you could push back probably till late August in, and not really have hardcore practice till late August and then say, we're not going to start playing maybe till early October. Maybe we're only going to play eight games or something. So I just think they're going to delay, delay, delay and try to create as much wiggle room as possible. And while they're doing that, I'm going to not slam the door on them. I keep reading columnists and college football writers who just are writing it's dead it's over and I'm just not sure why they're writing that and I'm not like collecting them to throw it back in their faces if there happens to be a college football season but I'll keep saying what I've said before is I just don't know how you can know that because we don't know what's going to happen with the curve and if we bent it as a nation once before you look at what happened in New York City when people it was terrible people got serious and they're in a great place right now Um, if New York City can do it, why can't other parts of the country do it? Why can't the country as a whole do it? It's going to be hard, man. But I'm not giving up yet. So we're previewing cornerbacks. One thing to note, again, we pre-recorded these. We recorded this before the Jordan Hancock commitment to Ohio State for 2021. So I have a little thing I interjected there, but part of what we do in every, if you've listened to these, the position group breakdowns, we talk about the guys in the roster now, then we talk about the guys who are coming in in the next recruiting class. Um, Jordan Hancock wasn't in this class when we recorded this. So five defensive backs overall in this class right now, Either it's either three corners and two safeties or four corners and one safety, depending how you look at it. But we don't go to Jordan Hancock into deep, uh, very, we don't go into it here because he wasn't a Buckeye at this point. So time to do it. Cornerbacks on Buckeye Talk. Love you guys for being part of it. Here we go. Cornerbacks, the order of the day here on Buckeye Talk. Doug, Nathan, Steven, perhaps, perhaps the most uncertain position, perhaps, perhaps, maybe most interesting, maybe greatest upside greatest potential i don't know it's it's an interesting group when you lose two first rounders and you lose a guy in jeff okuda who who i've said was the peak of the the ohio state cornerback run it's just you got to reset you got to reset so here they are resetting at cornerback for 2020 looking at who's on the roster you got marcus williamson as the lone senior more of a slot corner um, we're wondering who's going to be the slot corner since we know it's not going to be Sean Wade. So Marcus Williamson should be in the, in the mix for that. Juniors, you got Sean Wade as a red shirt, seven banks and Cam Brown as two juniors. You got Tyreek Johnson as a red shirt sophomore. And then you got a lot of uncertainty. Three true freshmen, Ryan Watts, legend Cavazos, Cameron Martinez. Steven, as we look through who the candidates are here, 
you can feel some of the holes and some of the recruiting misses, which we have talked about before, but there's just a, uh, you know, there's, you kind of are waiting maybe for like one more big name to be in there. And they're just, you know, from Tavor Johnson and Jeff Halfley and then Kerry Combs getting here, they just had a miss or two that I think you can feel. It's not desperate, but I do think you feel it a little bit in this discussion. Yeah, and probably the biggest name on that list is Clark Phillips as a guy who who really just committed to Jeff Halfley more than he did Ohio State. And so when Jeff Halfley left, he left. He was a top 50 cornerback in the 2020 class, and you maybe feel a little bit easier about things if he's still in the class. But, yeah, it's misses, but it's also maybe some of the hits they did have haven't, I guess, hit for that for that matter of using the same word twice, like Tyree Johnson the number two corner in the, the the number two safety in this class, the number 21 player in the country, a five-star guy who just hasn't hit yet. And that's pretty much what this is. It's you miss out on some guy, big name guys, but then the big name guys you did get haven't necessarily done anything. Nathan, it's hard when we go through an Ohio state group and it's like, Oh no, no I don't know. what, are, And they still have, you know, five-star guys lingering around in this room. Um, but you do, you look at, and you know, obviously Clark Phillips is one that stands out. You look at 2019, again, that sort of transition class from Urban Meyer to Ryan Day, they had two safeties in that class, no corners there. And I do think when you see what they're doing at corner in 2021, they're doing that because they do know they're just a little bit light in this room. And it's kind of weird when you don't see Ohio State just have dudes stacked on top of dudes. But when you have a class like 2019 where you don't get any corners in the class, it, it does have an effect even at Ohio State. Yeah, and again, not to use my uh, catchphrase here, but like I don't really care that much anymore that Tyreek Johnson was a five-star prospect. I need to actually see him play. I actually need to see him be in the uh, depth chart in a real way. I mean, we're getting into his third year, and that hasn't happened yet. And I know they had some really good players at the top of the, of the depth chart, but he didn't really even have a secondary role. And he's, and, and some of these other guys too, like they, they didn't really necessarily force the issue into any kind of a bigger role. So uh, that's what has to happen next. I, I don't think it really even matters at this point what, what some of these guys were as prospects. They have to be that as players. I, I agree with that, but I still have, I mean, as we're, and we're going to get into Tyreek Johnson, I'm still more interested more interested in him as a third-year guy who was a top 25 national recruit than if he was a third-year guy who was the 400th player in the country. Do you think that's wrong at this point? But like, I just, he's still, my eyebrows are up a little bit because of the natural talent that he flashed that caused him to be viewed that way coming in. Are you just like out on that? Do you think that's almost wrong or silly to try to hang on to any remnants of that? I do agree that that guys who who have that sort of consensus ranking that it happens for a reason. You want to put some trust in that. If we're going to talk about one guy being a five star, we can't dismiss, I guess, the other one. Although sometimes people are are wrong. Um, I guess it's just a matter of at some point the potential just doesn't matter anymore. It can't be. He's at a stage now. This is maybe the first year where you can absolutely say this, but because for two years maybe he could still be the guy with potential, the guy building to something. Um, he's not the only one, and I, I hate that we're singling him out so early on. But you know, he the the time for potential has ended. Kind of, they desperately need him. They desperately need some of these other guys to step up. And some of these other guys were not five star guys. Uh, you know, Cam Brown and Seven Banks and, and whatever. These guys weren't as highly ranked as him. But again, none of that really matters at this point. They all have to be 
top of the line, not just Big Ten defensive backs, but you're probably asking them to be more than that because this is a team that wants to win a national championship. I think at this point, all the five-star rating does is make it a conversation that we have to have, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, I – Because if, you, if, if you're right, if he's not a five-star, we're probably not sitting here discussing why hasn't he flashed yet. Right, and the thing is, I mean, most – you know, the Ohio State doesn't get – a bunch of guys ranked 600th in the country. So most of the time, most of the time, if a guy doesn't really play at Ohio State, he did have promise coming in because almost everybody of the 85 scholarships has some of that. Um, I did not go back and do it. I, I, I still think there's, I, I've seen some other places doing some interesting five-star star analysis from a national standpoint. I've talked about wanting to do that, which programs really develop the five stars. You know, we'll do that at some point. We still have a lot of summer left just to run through all the five stars. Um, but again, when you're, co- you know, in the last 20 years or whatever and how they developed or didn't develop at Ohio State. But, you know, frankly, and again, what we're talking about with Tyreek Johnson in the 2018 class is the number 21 overall player. If he gets out of here without really ever contributing, you know, that's that's kind of, unu- I mean, that's unusual. You know, five stars, nobody's a sure thing. But to be the 21, the 21st player in the country, and not and, contribute, and, not, and not do anything. Into, yeah, not not turn into an all Big Ten or all American, but you just didn't contribute. Yeah, that and again, be- it's 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 not a shot. It's just a reality of like most of the time those guys, even like again, like Curtis Grant's a guy that comes up a lot as a five star linebacker. It took him a long time, but in the end, he contributed. So that's why I think. I mean, there's there are paths where it does take some five stars longer, but I just think he's, he's just so super interesting. It's hard to get away from him again. So these, there's a lot of these, these young guys, Ryan Watts, legend Cavazos and Cam Martinez um, are going to be very interesting to watch. And we'll get into this because, you know, we all know Wade's going to leave and depending what seven banks and Cam Brown do, it's going to be really interesting in this position in 2021, which is why they're going so hard at cornerback in the 2021 recruiting class, Kerry Combs came in and got right to work on that. Steven, who do they have coming at, the, at this position? Yeah, right now, obviously, Ja'Kaylee Johnson, the number 43 player in the country, the number four cornerback in the country. That's, you know, they're Clark Phillips of the class. He's the top 50 recruit that they need to hold on to. And then Andre Turrentine, who can play safety or corner when he gets to another four-star guy. Jansen Dunn, who, after talking to him, it's very clear he's going to, you know, that George, the the one high safety is going to be his role here. He they, he compared himself a lot to what safety is a different did. podcast. Safety is a different podcast. You're right. So basically, it's Jaquay. Right now, it's Jaquay Johnson. Part. Edit that. Just edit it out, and we'll yeah. plug it in somewhere else. Jaquay Johnson and Andre Turrentine right now are the clear corners from this class, and obviously they lost out on Tony Tony Grimes, but there are some other options who are going to be. Jameer Johnson comes off the table by the time we, a lot of these guys you guys hear this. Jameer Johnson will have also come out of the, off the board out of California, but obviously the big fish was Tony Grimes, who ended up committing to North Carolina. Denzel Burke, a corner or no? Possibly. But he's, it's, it's either because he's an athlete, he can go either or, but probably corner. As, as Kerry Combs stated when we first got to talk to him, the place you want to start all these guys is that outside corner, and then you can move from anywhere. So that's probably where he'll, he'll start as well. So, yeah, depending where you're looking, it's kind of like uh, I think we all agreed, right? Jalen Johnson is more of a bullet type guy. So he's more mm-hmm. of a linebacker. Is that officially what, how we're considering him? Yeah. So then it's, it's four defensive backs, Ja'Kalen Johnson, Andre Turrentine, Denzel Burke, that we have listed at corner on our scholarship chart. And then Jansen Dunn at safety. Doug interjecting now, of course, Jordan Hancock now makes five defensive backs for the Buckeyes in 2021. 
All right. Better this year or better last year? Nathan Baird. Go better ahead. Last year. <laughs> better last year. Losing two first team or first round draft picks. Losing a guy who was as good as any cornerback in the country in Jeff Okuda. You just don't see where they replace that loss of talent this season. So I guess my question is, as we think about this, is it fair to think about Sean Wade as Jeff Okuda's replacement and that he might come pretty darn close to that? And then what you're really trying to do is replace the other outside corner that was Damon Arnett and the slot corner that was Sean Wade. Is that a reasonable way to think of this? Because Sean Wade is good. Go watch Sean Wade's highlights. He's good. He can cover people. He's, he's moving outside. You would expect that maybe he's even better. And, again, I think Jeff Okuda is peak Ohio State cornerback. But I think, I mean, if Sean Wade's 92% of that or something, then it's like, well, I mean, Jeff Okuda is sort of impossible to replace, but the guy they're actually trying to replace him with might be – the best cornerback in the country. Is it fair to think of it like that? I suppose, but okay, so you get 92% of Jeff Okuda, and then you get what percent of Damon Arnett, and then you yeah. get a potentially real drop-off in the percentage from Sean Wade to whoever you put in the slot corner. Um, right. So that's where I start to – I mean, it's fair to look at it, and that's kind of how I have looked at it and why I'm, I still have some skepticism, or not – maybe skepticism isn't the right word, but it just – I need to see it. We haven't seen what, what these guys are going to look like this spring, and – and more to the point, I'm really concerned what there is after the first three guys on this. And that's the problem here. Yes, John Wade might end up being the best cornerback in the country, but it's still every the best possible player at every position last year is no longer playing that position. Right, which is how college football works. You lose guys. That's sort of the deal. But I do think if you – like on first blush, it's like, oh, my gosh, how do you replace Jeff Okuda? The guy's a top five NFL draft pick. How do you replace Jeff Okuda? But actually, well, they're replacing Jeff Okuda with an All-American candidate. And just in my head, and, and I guess this, it's all semantics, but the idea of if he said, well, what does Ohio State have to do? It's like, well, they have to replace Damon Arnett and Sean Wade. Let's say it was the reverse, right? Let's say that Jeff Okuda stayed and Sean Wade went to the NFL. And Jeff Okuda was going to be Jeff Okuda again, and it was like they've got to replace Sean Wade and Damon Arnett. Wouldn't you feel slightly better about that? Right? And that. Think, uh, Go ahead. I don't know. I think I'd feel the exact same way because at the end of the day, you have one first round corner and a lot of questions. Yeah, but a lot of teams don't have one first round corner. And I guess like the, the, the outside corner, and I don't know where they're going to play Sean Wade if he's going to have games where if you were, you're facing a great receiver, would he maybe follow that guy yeah. around a little bit? I, I don't gonna, know. I think he is. I think he's going to follow. Will he stay on his side? I mean, I don't know that they'll, you know, I don't know that he's going to follow a Rutgers guy. I mean, they don't normally don't follow. Know. You usually play field and boundary. And so I don't, yeah. I, don't I just, know. I just know against Penn state, there were some times where they put Jeff Okuda in the slot strictly to guard KJ Hamler. So right. I think in games like that, I think against the better teams on their schedule, I think uh, Sean Wade is going to follow. Which is pretty darn good. Yeah. So it's like, well, what are they going to do when they play the best receivers in the country? It's like, I don't know, put a first-round cornerback on them? So uh, it's weird. As much as we focus on Seven Banks and Cam Brown and Marcus Williamson and what are they going to do, I don't really mean this, but I also actually do feel myself doing it. I sometimes take Sean Wade for granted. It's not that I forget him, but it's he legitimately is like the best 
Jeff Okuda replacement in the country. He's the best. He's the best guy you could put out there to replace a guy who was the third pick in the draft. And then you've got to replace Damon Arnett and you've got to replace slot corner. But if I just allow myself to think about it that way, it doesn't seem quite as daunting because sometimes I wind up negatively counting Sean Wade twice because it's like, well, they got to replace Jeff Okuda. And by the way, they're also losing Sean Wade in the slot. But it's like, yeah, but but they're using Sean Wade to replace Jeff Okuda. I don't know. Maybe it's just my old feeble brain and the way that works. Obviously, the quest, the answer is better in 2019. Stephen, we don't even have to debate it. Of course, we all agree with Nathan's point on that. It's just to me, I think we've really nailed how big of a deal this is. And we've, we all know it was a huge deal that if Sean Wade, that Sean Wade came back. Nathan, if Sean Wade had gone pro, I mean, would alarm bells be going off now? Where, wh- how much different would the world be if Sean Wade had gone to the NFL? Well, as I'm going to bring up later, like, again, I don't know who this team's fourth best cornerback is right now. I don't know if this team has a quote-unquote fourth best cornerback when you're trying to put together a national championship roster. There's, we just don't have that kind of certainty, I think, once you get past – Definitely Sean Wade, probably Seven Banks. Cam Brown's probably good enough, maybe, we think. And then what? Like, you're either relying on someone like Tyree Johnson, someone like Marcus Williamson. They haven't really had opportunities. But there's – I don't know that we've really also heard that these guys are just blowing it up and, hey, just wait until these guys get their shot. I I don't think that's necessarily been the case. And then you've got some freshmen um, who are going to be doing this for the very first time. I just – if, if if Sean Wade weren't here, I don't know – it, it, it changes a lot of things. I don't know that you're talking about this being the preseason number one team in the country even because the questions about the secondary would be magnified. This team's not winning a national championship if Sean Wade would have gone pro. It's that simple. That's, that's too much. That's too much. You think – because why? Because they'd, like, they'd just be lit up all the time by every passing game in the country? This uh, – yeah, I – once they got into the playoff, which especially if they got into the playoff, yeah. Who he just Nathan just said it. Who's their fourth best corner? That's too far. I disagree with that. I I disagree with that. Uh, like like they have a lot of good players. Um, I'm not sure there's any player that you. I mean, I think the only player that you would take off this team and said, nope, not gonna happen, is Justin Fields. I wouldn't go that far w- with anybody else. I, I I don't know. I mean, like I would go that far when you don't know any when you have this many questions about a position group. Would you go that far, Nathan? I mean, I, I'm not sold on this being the nat- national champion yet, anyway. So um, it would certainly, I, I like I just said, like I I won't I would you I don't think that you'd be talking about this team as a potential preseason number one team in the country if you took off their best player on defense unquestionably and just completely took him out of the program. Um, I mean, what what do you, what are you looking at with this defense at that point that, that really um, that it intimidates you in any way if you're an opponent? Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith, Tommy Togiai, Baron Browning, Pete Warner, Josh. I think Proctor. those are so, I think like, those are solid players. I think those are solid players, and with the potential for more. There's only one guy that really stands out, I think, from the jump on this team. And again, what you're talking about before, when you do face those teams. When you play Minnesota in the Big Ten championship game, when you play, um, you know, even Penn State or, or Oregon, if they get a chance to play that game, like who's matching up with the best receivers on the best teams you play if you take Sean Wade out of this mix? I think it just leaves this team really vulnerable and puts a lot more pressure on this offense. And this, as good as this offense is going to be, I, I, it only takes one game to derail that. Mm-hmm. 
So this is, um, and this is the crazy, not the craziest, it's the most interesting part about this group is when we get into it, when you, we think about Cam Brown and Seven Banks, they could go a variety of ways. And so as we look and say, okay, we all agree they were better in 2019 than they're going to be in 2020. The next category is, will it be better in 2020 or better in 2021? Steven, how do you analyze that? Because we have thrown out multiple times, well, what if Seven Banks and or Cam Brown are so good this year that they leave? So I, I, I don't know. I think it's very hard to sort of wrap your head around this. But the one thing we do know for sure is Sean Wade's not coming back in 2021. So what's your answer there, Stephen? I have to go with the same answer that they're better in 2020 just because, yeah, you're right. It, it, we're in a, this is a clear situation of what if, you know, the ceiling gets reached by these 2018 guys. And so all of a sudden you're starting all the way from scratch because now you lost Sean Wade, you lost seven banks. And maybe Cam Brown, probably not, but maybe Cam Brown and definitely Josh Proctor. So you you have to go. It's too much unknown in 2021, especially when that's probably going to be relied on by a lot of these guys who are freshmen right now. You have to go with 2020 because there's just more known. Nathan, you agree? Yeah, agreed. I was going to say the same thing. It's just, you, you're again, you're taking out what we believe is a first-round draft pick, a you know potential All-American, and replacing him with question mark. Yeah, because we don't know. I, I mean, often at Ohio State at cornerback, there's the next guy in the line. There's the next guy in the line. There's the next guy in the line. And there's – you just aren't exactly sure of that right now. And, and again – I feel differently if Clark Phillips was still here too. That's part right. of it. Right. And you know what? I mean, we're, we have to get into these young guys. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're in love with legend Cavazzo, Stephen. I mean, what if that uh, guy goes crazy? And Cam Martinez fits that mold of – He's a guy who's, I think everybody around Ohio State believes he's probably too lowly rated as a recruit. He was an athlete. He was offensive side of the ball. He was defensive side of the ball. They have him listed at corner now coming in. And sometimes guys like that, they're so good at so many things, it, it's hard to rate them. And then once you give them a permanent home and let Kerry Combs get to work on him, um, Sometimes guys like Cam Martinez, when it's time to go, it's like, okay, like here we go. And Cam Martinez is, is shows up in year two, um, ready to set the world on fire. But I do. The only thing we know for sure looking at 2021 is that Sean Wade won't be here. And so then, yes, the answer has to be better in 2020. So that's the thing. That's a very – this is what – and I'm trying to think what other position groups would fit this – that's kind of not what you want. We're all in total agreement. They were better in 19 than they will be in 20, but yet we also think they'll be better in 20 than they will be in 21, Nathan. That is not, you know, there's uncertainty that's built into this and projecting is hard, but many times at Ohio State, you look ahead and say, oh, they're awesome now, but they're only getting better. It's kind of odd to be looking at a position group that is worse than last year and also we think worse next year. I think yeah. part of, oh, go ahead, Nathan, I'm sorry. I would say it's one of the things we haven't really talked about in terms of which position groups were hit the hardest by not getting to have a spring. But really, you know, Kerry Combs had to come in and start a multi-year project to get this cornerback room potentially up to the Ohio State standard. It's, it wasn't just what these guys have to be for this fall. It's when Sean Wade's gone. And I think Seven Banks and, and Cam Brown are probably both back for 2021 based on what we know st sitting here today on July 2nd. But what are the, what's that group going to be next year? I, I think this is a group that probably needed some more intense development this spring that they didn't get to have. I think part of the issue is this might be the only position group where, because 
the linebackers obviously have depth, so it's not necessarily as much of a worry when you come to 2021. But in every other group, there's either a five-star kid in a recruiting class or a young guy on the roster who got an opportunity to at least flash at some point in 2019. And Seven Banks obviously got the starter game, but I don't know if he was, you know, overly impressive in that game that, you know, to kind of, you know, soothe any worries that you had about him. And then there's no five-star cornerback coming in in 2021 right now or in 2020. Yeah, I mean, so there – I mean, the, the real issue here is that they – they didn't have any corners in 2019. And then the, the three 2020 corners that we're talking about as guys who are next up, Legend Cavazos was the number 352 overall player in the country. Cam Martinez was the number 323 overall player in the country. And Ryan Watts was the number 202 overall player in the country. So, again, we can't help. Nathan, you, I think you have to agree with this, Nathan. As much as I do agree with you, at some point you have to let go of the recruiting rankings. It does still color our viewpoint. And part of where we are on this, honestly, I think is the 18 guys who we're all waiting, who are going to be relied upon. Tyreek Johnson was the number 21 overall player and hasn't shown much. And the other two guys were rated in the 200s and 300s. 2019, they didn't have any. And then 2020, they have one guy in the 200s and two guys in the 300s. They don't. And then, I mean, you look at 17, Jeff Okuda and Sean Wade were both five stars. The number one and number two corners in the country. And so if they, if the guys that were stacked up here were top 100 guys, I think we would just look at it differently. But we're looking at seven banks. We think, yeah, that guy looks the part. He's ready to come. But he wasn't a top 100 guy. And then that hole in 19 gets even bigger. And then Clark Phillips was the highest rated guy in 2020, and he's not here. I just think it's not what we're used to at Ohio State. The standard is so high, and Kerry Combs created that standard in this room, and it's affecting how we view it. It has to be, right? Yeah, and it, the other thing is this this defense, this this cornerback group has Sean Wade, but it doesn't have a Sean Wade in addition to that. It doesn't have the guy who comes in as a five-star, and maybe he's like the third guy, fourth guy in the rotation behind other really strong guys, and he's just sort of building, and then last year he becomes the starting slot corner, and you start to flash and really see what he could be, and now he gets, goes in poised next year to be one of the best cornerbacks in the country. You have guys that you're asking for a, a very different career trajectory from. You're asking guys like Seven Banks, like Cam Brown, who had a lower ceiling as far as their expectations coming into the program, to really make a jump. So if you're talking about a national championship, if you're talking about like a really strong defense, you're asking those guys to do what we've seen other Ohio State guys do. Don't get me wrong. Other guys have come in and made that jump. And Damon Arnett's one of them. But it's really hard to just expect that to happen with every single year, every single group, every single rotation. I think um, that's why it's harder to project something really strong from this group until you until you really see it. Steven, biggest strength of this group. We'll move on to the next category. What do you have? I mean, Sean Wade's the biggest strength. At least you're, at least other teams' best corner is taken care of in big games. That's one less thing you have to think about on a snap-by-snap -snap basis because you know if it comes down to it, I'm just going to put Sean Wade on that guy. Is there a different answer, Nathan, or does, is, that, is it just as simple as that? I'm going to steal your answer from the defensive line. I'm going to say Kerry Combs. 
Like they've got a guy who's proven that he can take guys and make them more than you would maybe expect another program to make them, another coach to make them. I know he's got some different responsibilities with the team this time around than he did the first time, but he was kind of brought in a little bit to be the cornerback whisperer, I think. I think there's a reason why they wanted someone with the kind of background he has, with the position-specific group uh, um, background that he has. You know, Jeff Halfley, we saw the jump that he helped some of those guys make just last year, and Kerry Combs needs to pick that up with these guys who are making a transition and take it to the next level. I think there's a lot kind of on his shoulders right now. Not only is he coordinating a defense for the first time, but this – this room needs to be rejuvenated a little bit or invigorated is probably a better word. And to that point, Kerry Combs did turn a guy who was a 270th best player in the country into the number four draft pick in the NFL. So he's done this before. So part of the issue, um, I, I, I agree with both your answers. Those are two great answers. I guess I probably, I was going to say Combs just because again, to sort of follow up what I had said on Larry Johnson, I thought maybe I'd be stealing that from you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's an interception. That's an interception. You inter- That's uh, yeah. No, I I am uh, I'm like the third string quarterback, and I and you jumped right in front of that that pass that I just threw. Um, PFF I think has Sean Wade rated as the number two cornerback prospect looking ahead to the next draft, and I know PFF's college site um, wrote a pretty long story. I read just the top part of it that. Their headline is Sean Wade, Seven Banks, Cam Brown, and Josh Proctor are set to keep Ohio State secondary playing at a high level in 2020. And I think this is good when this happens. I'm okay with this. That Again, I think sometimes from the outside, when you're only comparing Ohio State to the other teams in the country, you can have a very rosy outlook. And sometimes when you're comparing Ohio State to itself, then you can say, well, okay, but they don't have Jeff Okuda. You know, they don't have what they normally have. Show me the – this is not the Marshawn Lattimore, Gary on Conley, Denzel Ward rotation. Um, so there are people who are looking at the talent coming along and, and thinking that they'll be pretty good. But Stephen, if if Ohio State's Jeff Halfley replacement was Ole Miss's secondaries coach, or was um, Arizona State's co-defensive coordinator that they lured away, and he was guy we hadn't heard of x but he's good i mean ohio state wouldn't hire him if he was good he was experienced he's been around maybe he had a little taste of the nfl he's been around but he's new to ohio state we don't know him how much different would we be feeling about the cornerbacks if it if it was a jeff halfley type right the jeff halfley turned out to be pretty good we didn't know who jeff halfley was when he got here if it was the next jeff halfley instead of the return of Kerry combs how much would that affect our viewpoint of the cornerback outlook i think you'd have a little bit of skepticism because you just don't know just how the players had a little bit of skepticism with Jeff Halfley when he first got here, just because it's the combination of Kerry Combs' reputation developing first round draft pick, but also the fact that he recruited a lot of these guys here. So he's not just returning for a second stint here. He's returning. He hasn't been gone long enough to where it's a brand new group of guys who have to get to know him. Really it's only maybe like one or two guys who didn't know who Kerry Combs? Ryan Watts actually might be the only guy on this team who wasn't, who didn't have some type of conversation with Kerry Combs at the beginning of the recruiting process when they were freshmen and sophomores in high school. So it's that combination of he develops first rounders, but also we already know this guy, so you can skip the whole get to know you step of this all this. So there's probably a lot more skepticism if it's just a brand new guy from a different program, whether that be the NFL or another college school. Nathan, you, you weren't here for round one of Kerry Combs, but 
but could you feel sort of the reassurance when he came back? Oh, no doubt. And I think his resume speaks for itself, too. So I don't know that you necessarily needed to have seen him in action, although it sounds like it would have been uh, kind of fun at times to watch him, um, you know, throw some stuff back at you in interviews and whatnot. Um, but uh, but I think just watching the way that he he has developed guys, the, the, the production that that unit has had in the years that he was here, I think it speaks for itself. So, again, I, I think – well, you're right. If it's just some guy, even if it's a guy with accolades, and he's going to have to build a relationship with the other cornerbacks in that room, he's going to have to build a relationship with the other coaches that isn't there already. I, I, I do have more skepticism about it. It's a group that I'm already, like I said, kind of taking a, a you got to prove it to me approach a little bit at this point. And I think that gets magnified if it's just some guy who who is starting over with it with a completely new system and a completely new program. So biggest question, we'll move on to that, Nathan. Biggest question with this group. I already said it, like who is the fourth best corner? You could even maybe say the third best corner. I think that's probably Cam Brown. But is he a guy who you can put out there for every rep and and have him be a stable starter for a, a team that wants to win the Big Ten and go to the playoffs and, and win the, the national championship? Um, but certainly once you get past three, who is this team counting on at quarterback? And I, I know your your point is is – is taken that that you made in the past that it, you know, you, you don't usually have to thrive on and expecting a fourth guy there every week, but we saw last season that they did need that guy at, at times. And the saving grace of that was you were still putting two future first round draft picks as one of your three starting cornerbacks when you had to start somebody else, when Wade was banged up, when Arnett was banged up a few reps where Okuda had to come off the field, you still had really great cornerbacks out there. We don't know if that's the case if Sean Wade gets banged up or, or even seven banks gets banged up and has to come out, miss a quarter, miss a half, whatever it can really get exposed. And we saw it a little bit against Clemson. Steven, what's your big question? How big of, of a drop off is the slot corner going to be uh, on, on paper right now? We can say there's going to be a huge drop off because it was Sean Wade in that position last year. You like, as you've already alluded to, they're replacing a first, Jeff Okuda with another first, potential first round draft pick. Well, that's not necessarily the case in the slot. And that's a pretty important position in this defensive scheme. And so is there, is that drop off going to be so deep to where that position is now a liability on the field? I'm just curious who the slot corner is, how they solve that. Right. It looked like, and again, the brief glance we got in spring football, it looked like Seven Banks was outside. So mm-hmm. I think the assumption that, that Seven Banks and Sean Wade are the outside corners, and then I guess that leaves Cam Brown for the slot. Also, Marcus Williamson, as a senior, is, has definitely played in the slot. Could they have multiple guys there? And then the other thing, and, and at some point, I think this is more for the safety podcast, but I don't know exactly what they're going to do. And people have, we've talked about it, people have asked about it. You know, all off season, some people believe it that they will try more of a two safety look. And again, in the past, when Kerry Combs was here, when they weren't playing three corners, you know, you just walk down one of the safeties to sort of cover that slot guy. I mean, I don't know. What if they play Josh Proctor and Marcus Hooker together at safety and one of those guys lines up and ends up being more like a slot corner? If somehow you feel better about the two of them than you do about that third guy in the cornerback room. So I also think there just might be multiple answers to this. I'm not, I'm not expecting that, but I feel like Wade and Banks on the outside is, is a safe assumption. And then that would leave Cam Brown for the slot, but I'm just curious. I'm just curious. And, and, and I don't know how much Combs will rotate corners again. I think he wants to rotate, take corners. I think he said that, but I'm not sure he has the depth to do it. Um, 
but just the way they decide. And I think it might be one of those things, sort of like we talk with the running backs, that, you know, if there's not one sure thing answer to who's playing the slot, maybe there's a couple different answers that involve multiple cornerbacks, a safety. Um, and again, if Sean Wade's following somebody around and, and somebody's really killing you in the slot, you can drop Sean Wade down there for a series or two to try to settle things down. So I just want to know how that's going to work. I also don't know if we looked at it quite in this context before, but we've had this conversation. People have asked us, our texters, 614-350-3315, have asked us how much we think they might play the two safety look again in 2020. And there's part of me that wonders, like, if you get a few games into the season and it is just not working out with finding anybody to consistently perform in the slot, do you start looking at more two back two two safety situations again because Marcus Hooker is better on the field as a second safety than whoever it is that you'd be putting as that slot? I think it'd have to be pretty drastic for them to abandon and go to that as a, like a, a it become the base thing. But I guess I can't discount it because I just still don't know enough about who will be fitting into that spot. And just again in the past, Von Bell when when they played Tyvis Powell and Von Bell as the safeties on the national title team, Von Bell was a safety, but he would come down and cover guys like a corner sometimes. Maybe Josh Proctor does that, and you keep Marcus Hooker deep. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I think they just they may be looking. Um, that's a good reminder. I haven't been taking enough breaks in some of these position podcasts. Let's do that quickly. Up next, our crazy prediction or thought about what's going to happen with the cornerbacks in 2020. Thanks to you guys for listening to Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back. Steven, your crazy prediction for the OSU corners this season. Sean Wade wins the Thorpe Award because the only other guy I can think of off the top of my head is LSU's Derek Stingley as, you know, top-tier corners in the league heading into the season who have enough hype around them in the preseason but will also have the opportunity to actually prove it on the field enough to actually win the award. So I'm going to – Sean Wade wins the Thorpe. Um. I think I'd throw Patrick Sertain from Alabama uh, Alabama into that. Um, And again, that is officially a 180 degree flip from your previous stance of you, you can't win the Thorpe at Ohio state because you're so good. They don't throw at you. And you think a receiver is going to win the Bolitnikoff more likely you have come not full circle because you didn't come back to the same thing you thought you have come half circle on that and are officially opposite of what you thought six weeks ago. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm just saying, I mean, it's a fact. We can go back to the podcast. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not yeah. misremembering the whole podcast where you're like, nah, you did this, Steven. It's like, all right, so who's going to win? What's more likely, a Thorpe Award or Boletnikoff Award? Steven, could they win the Thorpe Award? Nah. Blah. That thing you do, with that your no answer. You were it's so we, out on the Thorpe listen, Award. We do five of these a week, and so there has to be some type of, you know, I don't want to call it growth, but just, you know. It's not growth. No, it's not. Did you it's change not. your mind or did you just forget what you think? No, I just changed my mind. As, <laughs> I've been, as we've done, uh, we do five of these a week, and as you talk things out, you kind of change your mind on some things. I, uh, Javon Holland is another guy to keep in mind. I think that's the guy we talked about a lot on the Oregon podcast, uh, actually, was a guy that uh, – and I think Nathan brought him up in that Thorpe discussion even. Um, but, again, there's not a million of them out there. And, again, your preseason hype contributes a little bit. Crazy prediction for you, Nathan. Have you guys signed the deal yet for your sequel? For the for the movie. No. For the get. We're yeah. still in litigation. Still, still in negotiations. Litigation. Yeah. The thing that I I mean litigation. If the, <laughs> if the original. You can imagine so, there's some litigation. If there's the first movie is Get Hard, and you do a sequel, I feel like there's only one name that the sequel could be. 
And I don't. Soft. Yeah, and I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. And That's is that fly. is that just like me teaching Stephen how to be like a doughy middle aged dude, and like how to just like sit on your couch all day? And Stephen's like, hey, you like you want to go out and like uh, do something? I'd be like, ah, I don't know, man. You want to just like watch Netflix? And I feel like that entire movie is just me looking at Doug crazy, which would make for great memes on Twitter. But I don't know if it'll hit at the box office. Get soft. My shirt is off the whole time. For sure. Just me being doughy. And there's um, litigation. And there's litigation. All right, Nathan, get crazy. Um, so the way you phrased this when you sent it to us was crazy prediction slash thought. So I'm not predicting this. But I've said it before that I feel like if, you, if this group doesn't – if we don't see the development that they need from multiple cornerbacks behind Sean Wade, then I think at the end of the day, if you know, Jose doesn't win a national championship, but we'll look back and say this was the group that held them back. Yeah, and we've debated that. You know, I, I think they don't have to be great for them to win it, right? That it's like how good, how okay is an okay enough defense? Do they don't have to be a top 10 defense, but if they're a top 30 or whatever, right, that you can dance around that stuff forever. We, yeah, but we don't even know yet if they're, like, good. And I will Other say, than Sean Wade. So my, my thought is sort of that of it, – it's not, it, it's not a prediction either, um, but we're – Everybody at Ohio State in this era is so accustomed, and even before this, they're so accustomed. Well, it applies to every position. They're so accustomed to Ohio State corners being great. Just like what if people are just throwing the ball all over Ohio State? Like people are not going to know what to do with themselves because it's so foreign. And there's this NFL pipeline, and there's just always a next guy and a next guy and a next guy. And clearly Sean Wade is the one next guy. But it would just be fascinating if, like, nobody else really rises up and then we're going into 21 and Sean Wade's gone. And you're like, man, what is happening? What are they going to do? I'm not predicting that, but just that, that we're even at this point um, with this much uncertainty at a place where it's just been a pipeline is, is kind of interesting to ponder. Um, and, got- and that is the other thing here is we're comparing Ohio State to itself when we have these discussions. And this is the one position other than maybe defensive end where they just crank them out at a, just an insane level. They just yeah. keep sending first round picks to the NFL. So we are comparing Ohio State to itself somewhat. But I'm even trying to step away from that a little bit and say, like, are you, are you, would you be talking – if you were covering um, Iowa or Michigan State and this is what your, this is what your cornerback group looked like, would you be talking about them like laudedly or would you still be having some of these same concerns? I think you'd still be having the same concerns. See, I think I disagree with that. I think if anybody else in the big 10 had like a sure thing, all American corner and then guys like seven banks and cam Brown, who are, that's the thing we have to keep in mind. Like everywhere else in the big 10, if you have a top 300 recruit, that's good. Nobody else in the big 10 threatens to win a national championship. That's what I mean. But it just depends what the, it depends what the threshold is. You said if it was Michigan state or Iowa, I'm saying if it was Michigan state or Iowa, they'd be having parades for the secondary. And they still wouldn't be trying to. While the rest of the world just, while the rest of the big 10 is almost third world problems. I'm I'm saying that Iowa and Michigan state would be, would be excited about them too. When they, and they would still just go to their three or four loss bowl game. Right. And, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, right. I think we're kind of saying two different kinds of the same thing. It's just, yeah, this would be a good secondary anywhere else in the Big Ten. The question is, is it good enough to win a national title? Because that's the question that you ask with Ohio State all the time. And there's no point in asking any other question. And, and they wouldn't want us to ask a question that's any less, that's any less than that. 
we would, you know, the idea of like, could this be the best secondary in the Big Ten? That's not the issue. It's like, can they cover Clemson and Alabama and Georgia and Oklahoma and the best teams in the country when the money's down? Are they good enough to do that? And that's what matters. So, um, but again, most places like to have a, if seven banks is the 300 and no seven banks is the number 221 recruit in the country entering his third year, you watch that guy play in practice. And it's like, that guy looks pretty good. Um, you know, they'd be writing feature stories on how this guy's the next great thing. He just hasn't shown as much at this point as other guys in his position, uh, in the history of Ohio state, the guy we most want to see Nathan, who are you really excited to see? Tyreek Johnson, uh, a.k.a. Turkey Johnston, as one of our t- texters accidentally called him, um, because I haven't really seen him. I guess he got on the field a little bit last season, but a lot of times it was in those periods of the game where I'm starting to write about the guys who played earlier and who won that game. So um, I, I think if he if he hits it this year, if he gets to where – I don't think he has to get even all the way up to like what people might have been predicting him to be coming in. But if he can just get into where he's a regular contributor that Ohio State can count on, that answers my biggest question, really. That might be the thing. Okay, there's your fourth guy. And now you've got a capable guy that you feel backs up both of those spots um, on the outside and, and can fill in when, when needed at either of those spots in a pinch. Like that's right now that you really don't know what if that exists. That's that's kind of where we're talking about as far as just a gap in the middle of this thing. So if, if he can somehow emerge and become that, it makes this defense a whole lot better. He doesn't have to be a star in order to make a big contribution in 2020. Steven, is there any other answer than that, or is that your answer as well? It's, I'm going to go with seven banks just because we got to see little bits of it last year, last year. And if he's the other outside corner, as we saw in that one spring practice, and he showed some things there, can he be, you know, to some degree that – Damon Arnett to Sean Wade, Jeff Okuda. I'll say Tyreek Johnson for all the reasons Nathan said. Um, and I think that the potentially, and I'll get into this in a second, is the idea of not only could he maybe be the fourth corner, but could he play? Could he, could he right. be a regular part of the defense? Um, so confidence level. I think this is going to be hard. Nathan, your confidence level in the corners, and we're trying to stay a little consistent with, you know, I hope I'm going to gather all this up by the time we're done and do a final, final post on this on cleveland.com. Um, and we'll allow ourselves to do some minor adjustments if it, if it doesn't look sensible, but if you can sort of remember what you thought about other groups and how this group then compares, what's your confidence level at corner? I really struggled with this. Um, I said five and a half, which seems really low the more I think about it because you've got a, an all American and you've got, and, and a guy who you think is probably a, a first-round pick, a high first-round pick, maybe the first corner off the board next year, that kind of thing. That seems really low. I gave the defensive line, I guess, a six, and they don't have the equivalent of that, it doesn't look like, at least we, we don't know for sure right now. At the same time, I think I know who is backing up most of the spots on the defensive line, and they seem like they're ready to play in the Big Ten. And like I've said now a thousand times in this, I just don't know that yet about the cornerback group, let alone I don't really know yet that the slot is of the caliber that Ohio State needs to achieve its its top goals. So um, I, I, I'm sticking, with, I guess, with five and a half, but I, I, I'm leaving open the caveat, obviously, that on September 12th, I could say, man, that was the stupidest thing I've ever said. So let me ask this, and, and this is, I think, a very interesting way to frame this when the defensive line lost Chase Young, All-American. The secondary lost Jeff Okuda, All-American. And then they both lost other important guys. You lose Damon Arnett. You lose Davon Hamilton, right? So what would you rather have? 
the defensive ends don't have a Sean Wade. They don't have a first-round caliber guy returning who's already done it, who you know is going to do it again. But they have two guys in Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith who are really high recruits, top 50 national recruits, that have flashed it some, and I think you have more confidence in to make the leap. So there's no Sean Wade at defensive end, but there's really no Tyreek Smith or Zach Harrison at corner. Because Seven Banks and Cam Brown, maybe it's just because they were ranked lower as recruits, but I don't think we're viewing them with quite the same degree of optimism that we view Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith. So what would you rather have? A Wade and then a bigger gap to some uncertainty or no Wade, but two more obvious guys who have the pedigree who would be very reasonable to make a jump? Steven, which would you rather have? That scenario just influenced my answer. I'd, I'd, I'd rather have the Wade scenario. And I know there's a drop-up, but I'm always going to take All-American. So you'll take the sure thing, yeah. and then even if the second and third guys are a little more iffy rather than no quite sure thing, but two yeah. good potential guys. Because as we saw with the defensive line last year, that sure thing carried the defensive line. So I would rather have that, and the other guys can develop, and not, not, not develop the right way, figure it out as the season progresses, but at least you know on one side things are solid every single week, week in and week out and you figure it out with the rest because we've seen one guy carry. So in that, because of that, I think my confidence level is probably a seven. So that you're putting it a little higher than the defensive line yeah. because there's the sure thing. And before I thought about that, I was going to say five. But then when you think about it, yeah, I'd rather have the all – you take the All-American every time because the All-American changes everything for everybody. Nathan, do you agree with that? Which, which type of collection of players would you rather have? I would still – I, I think I've answered that by the way I've rated these. I mean, I would take the, what the defensive line has this season um, simply because I also think that they have some guys in Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison who I think have, have just shown more to this point than those corners have that are the equivalent um, when you're talking about balancing the stars against the emerging guys. Um, the other thing to remember in all this, too, is that Sean Wade isn't an All-American yet. We think he's probably that good, but he's, that hasn't happened yet. So that's still somebody who's even still in kind of a speculative situation as far as what we're projecting for this season. So I, I, I would still I – would, I would take and, – and it's not just two. That's the other factor here in the, in the grades that I gave. Like it's, you're, so when, when you start to get beyond two right now with this cornerback group, I think things get really um, sketchy, whereas when you get beyond two with even just the defensive ends – you still have Jonathan Cooper. You still have Tyler Friday. You still have Javante John-Baptiste. There's guys who I think are at worst the equivalent of like the Banks and Brown situation that you have at cornerback. I guess I, 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 guess I'll, I was going to give him a five too, which is lower than what I gave the defensive line. So, so I guess I, I would take the Harrison and Smith thing, but again, also I just, part of it is, I mean, I, I don't, the thing is I don't disagree with what Steven's saying either, because like I've always said, give me the star, forget the rotations, give me the stud that I know is going to be there and we'll figure out the rest. Um, so I think I might like lean that way, but yet with the, all the specifics top to bottom between defensive line and cornerback at Ohio state, I think I still might give the defensive line a higher grade. So I'll be a five, but I, I do have this in my head now. What if this is how this looks, knowing Kerry Combs' history of rotating guys? What if one outside spot is Sean Wade every snap? 
The other outside spot is a split between Seven Banks and Tyreek Johnson. And the slot is a split between Marcus Williamson and Cam Brown. And that's one where it's like Marcus Williamson's the veteran. Cam Brown is the younger guy who's maybe getting some new snaps inside. On the outside, you know, Tyreek Johnson, you want him involved. Maybe it's not even a 50-50 split, but it takes a little pressure on seven banks. You're not asking seven banks to do exactly what you're asking Sean Wade to do. Does that seem like a reasonable potential five-way rotation at the three-corner spots? That's exactly what the defensive line was last year. It was Chase Young is going to play every meaningful snap that that exists, while the other side – there was in, in the interior, everybody there was rotating, especially at that other defensive end spot. It was, you know, a mixture of Tyreek Smith, Zach Harris, and Tyler Friday, whoever was helping, but a mixture over there. While the other side, this is all Chase Young's world. And so, yeah, that does make some sense where the five star guy who we all think is going to be an all American plays every snap that exists in the world, and everywhere else, you know, you rotate some guys as you figure it out. Could that work, Nathan? Could that be where Kerry Combs lands? Yeah, yeah, no, that that's a completely plausible alignment. That's basically the alignment that I've assumed that they would probably trend towards, something like that. I, I, I think it won't be like last year where you've got three guys who start and play every snap that matters unless they get a, a tweak of some kind. I think you're going to see some rotations at those other two spots, just partially because I don't know that anybody else is going to come up and demand to play every snap that way. And I think Kerry Combs sees those rotations as a way to get more out of a guy than – you know what I'm saying? Like you can use two guys there and get and turn that into one better spot than if you just found one guy and tried to make him great or whatever. You know, I think you guys yeah. know what I'm saying there. So I, I think that's the way they'll trend, but I still have all the same questions about those two spots other than Sean Waite. You keep the pressure off a guy. You keep him more physically fresh, both in a game and over right. the course of a season. And to Mentally your point, fresh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. last year, Jeff Okuda, again, according to the 11 Warriors snap counts, Jeff Okuda, 693, Damon Arnett, 608. And that was with Damon Arnett missing a game, which is basically the only reason Damon Arnett didn't play the same number as, as Jeff Okuda. Sean Wade, 529. So that's almost 700, 600, and then over 500. Then the next group of corners, Cam Brown, 254. Amir Reap, who's no longer on the team, 226. Seven Banks, 170. Marcus Williamson, 86. Tyreek Johnson, 57. So Cam Brown played the fourth most snaps, and he played – half as many as Sean Wade, who played the third most snaps. So I do think, I think we'll see a probably a more equal distribution beyond Sean, Sean Wade as well last year. So yeah, that's where his dip is. Oh, right. Sean missed a game as well. Mm-hmm. And right. then there's a Wisconsin game where they played four linebackers over the three. Right. right. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. I think it's among the most interesting position groups. You know, you, it's not fatalistic. Again, it's a, it's relative problems, right? I mean, Ohio State's problem is what, you know, 85% of the country would, would kill for to have a problem where your secondary is this, but that's not the issue. The issue is can these guys be good enough for Ohio State to win a national championship? Thanks for listening to our cornerback breakdown. We continue to work our way through all these position groups. Read cleveland.com slash OSU. Drop the Apple review uh, Apple podcast reviews. We certainly appreciate those. Again, the text, if you want to join 614-350-3315. We'll keep rolling. Thanks for listening. For Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.